Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. What's up, everybody, and welcome. This is the Saturday Edge College Basketball Podcast. My name is Adam Smith. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Smithers513. I'm a contributor for the Saturday Edge, and I'm joined on the call today with Greg Smith, one of our other premium college basketball handicappers. And today the goal is to give you some insight into some of the first-round matchups, which is what we'll be going over. Uh, If you want to follow along, going straight down the rotation numbers from Thursday into Friday. Uh, we left off the 116 and 215 games just for the sake of brevity. Uh, so we're glossing over those. And as far as format, what we'll do is I'll introduce the game, the line, and the total, give my thoughts, and then I'll kick it over to Greg uh, for a little bit of a market perspective and his other thoughts. Uh, Greg has a lot of experience as far as valuing the market, and I think you'll find some valuable insight from uh, what he has to offer. So Without further ado here, we'll just jump right into it with a lot of games to go. So opening game here, I have Virginia Tech and Wisconsin. I'm showing Wisconsin in a five-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 138-and-a-half. And And, uh, just before we get into the the matchup there, I would note that these lines are obviously going to be pretty fluid depending on how money comes in throughout the week. So, you know, take what the current number is. We're recording on Monday night around 8 Eastern, uh, maybe with a grain of salt uh, with anything that may happen here. Uh, up until game time. So my initial thoughts on this is I thought it could be a tough matchup for Wisconsin just in that they're very susceptible to a three-point shot, which is one thing Virginia Tech does really well. Uh, they're ranked ninth in the country in three-point shooting percentage. And with Wisconsin's pace, you know, you kind of see this with Virginia as well. Sometimes you wonder if they find themselves down between, you know, six, 12, even, you know, 10 points. That lead just feels almost insurmountable because they're so hesitant to speed up the pace. So sometimes I'm I'm really worried about that. But I do think there is an edge for Wisconsin on the offensive glass, and I think they can control the interior here with Happ and Hayes. And first glance is I think Virginia Tech's going to be a pretty attractive bet to a lot of uh, recreational betters here as we move into the weekend. But I think if Wisconsin – I think you'll know how this game's going to play out early. If Wisconsin jumps out to a lead and can dictate the pace and how they want to play – I think they can maybe coast to a cover, but if they find themselves trading baskets with Virginia Tech, I don't know that that's going to end well for them. Greg, what do you see here? Uh, slight edge with uh, with a percentage of bets coming in with uh, Virginia Tech. About 58% of the of the bets are coming in on VT. Um, the line opened at minus five to uh, Wisconsin. It's moved to minus five and a half cents, but uh, as you said, these lines are going to be pretty fluid. But right now, not a lot of movement going on in this game. Um, so uh, not to say that it won't be moving along the line here, but uh, right now it looks, looks like a pretty even matchup as far as percentages go on both sides. Okay, interesting. And uh, moving along here, we'll hop along to Princeton and Notre Dame. I'm sure Notre Dame is a seven-point favorite, total of 134. Uh, one thing I would note with Princeton is they aren't a big team, which is, I think, where you can exploit Notre Dame. 
Uh, they're not very big across the front line. That's Notre Dame, and I think that some size can overwhelm them. But, you know, they also dismantled a Florida State team who has a ton of size. So take that with a grain of salt. But 42% of Princeton's points come via the three. So I think if Notre Dame can contest the three-point line, they're going to make life difficult for them. And I think Notre Dame has a really high floor because they don't turn the ball over and they don't miss free throws, which I think is a huge thing to have in your back pocket when you're uh, taking a team that's laying points like that. Those are valuable opportunities at the free throw line. And if you don't turn the ball over, um, you know, Princeton's going to have to make this a nearly flawless game uh, as far as an offensive output because I just don't know that Notre Dame's going to open the window uh, for any 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 opportunity for Princeton to really take a lead or really threatened at, at winning this game. And at only seven points with how well Notre Dame is shooting the ball from the perimeter and the free throw line, um, you know, Mike Bray with prep time, yeah, he's, he's, for my money, one of the best coaches in college basketball. So you know, I, I think if this one is at a sluggish pace, then Princeton might have a chance to sneak in the, um, sneak in the back door. But uh, Notre Dame is the side I'm looking to lay the points here. What do you see, Greg? Uh, right now, um Pretty much everyone right now, 75% of the public is on Notre Dame. The bets are coming in on Notre Dame. But what's interesting here is that 40% of the dollars is coming in on Princeton. So we got 25% of the public on, on, on the Tigers, yet uh, the line with Chris that opened at minus seven has moved to minus six and a half. So that's a, a red flag for me at this point um, to fade um, I would, I would not fade. I would not fade Princeton on this. It looks like Princeton could be a market play here, just from what I'm seeing. It's the most heavily, one of the, it's the second most heavily bet game uh, on on Thursday, and uh, yet there's 40% of the dollars are in despite uh, the 25-75 offset in which Notre Dame had. So, uh, which is causing the line to move from seven to six and a half, um, and that's pinnacle too. It's moved six and a half. So. Uh, so the sharp books they um, uh, are moving the line. The square books are keeping it steady at seven. I would I would hesitate on this one. Um, I would probably lean Princeton here in this spot. All right, uh, next one up we got Bucknell, West Virginia. I'm showing West Virginia 13 and a half point favorite total of 147. Um, you know I think first thing you have to look at when you cap a West Virginia game is whether or not their opponent takes care of the ball, which is the name of the game for Press Virginia. So, and you know in this instance Bucknell doesn't do it very well. Uh, they rank 200th in turnover percentage, and they also rank 310th in percentage of possessions that end up in a steal. So I think if you want to have a prayer as a mid-major going against West Virginia, who has a ton of depth and athleticism, you simply can't turn the ball over. You can't give them any opportunities because once that that ship starts rolling, uh, they thrive off momentum. They thrive off of turnovers. And once once they start playing downhill, it can get ugly. Um, but I also think it's a little bit of West Virginia's benefit to be out of Big 12 play. Um, yeah, I think once you are kind of prepared for their defensive pressure, it's a lot easier to replicate uh, in conference play and be prepared for, whereas in a tournament setting like this, Dell hasn't seen anything close to that. So um, I, I'm not crazy about laying the points with West Virginia. It feels like a, a bigger number, but at the same time, I can't really walk myself into a Bucknell bed. Uh, Greg, what do you got on this one? Well, these high numbers, when you hit double digits, that's what um, uh, a lot of the casual bettors love. They love to see the Cinderella team make a run. So, uh, obviously, you're seeing some a lot of high numbers come in on Bucknell uh, at 61% of the, of the bets. But it's interesting here is that 79% of the money is coming in on, on Bucknell as well. So, 
Um, uh, the line right now is at 13 and a half, 14 here and there. Uh, but in these, in these double-digit uh, Cinderella-like t- teams, it's really tough to gauge where that, where that money is coming to because a lot of it's just on, on heart and, um, and not logic. So um, that's a, this is a game that needs to be a little bit, um, uh, really, a little bit careful tiptoeing around. West Virginia might probably be the play here, but I don't know. With these numbers, I'm not sure. It's, a, it's, a, it's probably a layoff game for me. All right, next one up, we have UNC Wilmington against Virginia. I'm showing Virginia minus 7.5, total of 135. And uh, when I first saw this matchup last time on a bracket reveal, I thought it was a really bad draw for Wilmington. Uh, offensively, the Seahawks, they want to spread you out. They want to beat you with your real penetration, and they want to score in the interior, which is the exact opposite thing that UVA uh, will allow you to do. Uh, UVA wants you to shoot over that pack line, they're going to make all the driving lanes very difficult. Uh, the passing windows just become narrow. Um, so I think that that's going to be a really tough thing for UNC Wilmington to overcome because they don't shoot the ball well from the perimeter. And uh, without that personnel, I, I think it's going to be really difficult for them uh, to keep pace with UVA. Um, you know, the other thing about UVA, though, um, to make the counter argument is that they, if they find themselves down, it's just this team has such a hard time coming back in games. Uh, they've had second-half meltdowns this year. Um, it's hard to really draw a lot of confidence behind UVA, but I think that this matchup might just be too good for them to turn down. Um, I think that Wilmington probably will be a pretty popular um, underdog pick. Uh, is that what you're seeing there, Greg? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm seeing. So 62% are on the Seahawks. Uh, but, uh, you know, Virginia is the uh, best defensive team on, in the land as, as far as statistical-wise goes. They're just not a very good shooting team, which is what the uh, what the casual better doesn't want to bet with. They want to bet with the high-scoring teams. But here's the problem: is that so Virginia's only seeing 38 percent of the of the money come in on them, um, but the line has moved from minus nine and in spots at seven and a half. Clearly, the sharps know what they're doing. In this case, they're going to back Virginia, and I, I'm, I'm with them. I think that uh, Virginia is going to be too much to handle. I taken Virginia throughout the entire season. I've been stung by them just because of the fact that you just said, Adam, that they just uh, can't seem to come from behind. But uh, this is a very pesky defensive team, and the, clearly the market is reacting to it, uh, despite what any or the money is coming in on. Uh, it's moving from minus nine. Now at seven and a half in spots. It's going to be a tough one. All right, next one up, we've got East Tennessee State versus Florida. I'm showing Florida is a nine and a half point favorite, total of 145. Uh, I think ETSU, they're a lot of fun to watch. If you haven't seen them play, uh, you may have caught them in the uh, SOCON conference title game. Um, And if you did, you saw T.J. Cromer, um, their lead guard, is capable of just putting on a show. And I think with Florida, you really have to look at how they performed without Egbenu, uh, that defensive center um, that they have uh, for those who may not be familiar. They really just haven't been the same team without him because when you have that type of rim protection you can do a lot of different things with your defense on the perimeter, knowing that that back-end help is there. And uh, I think the other thing that you have to look at is the athletic matchup. So a lot of times when I look at these low-major and mid-major teams when they face these Power 5 teams in the tournament, if the athletic gap is just too big, I, I usually steer clear just because rebounding, defensive pressure, you know, there's kind of some of those intangible things that don't really come, come to the forefront. If that edge is too big in favor of the Power Five, it just puts you in such a hole as far as your margin for error. But, you know, ETSU matches up really well athletically. They have a ton of um, 
former Power Five transfers in. Uh, they've got Moss Pereira from Indiana. Obviously, my U fans will probably remember, but you know, I, I have a hard time trusting Florida at this number. Uh, I ETSU, I'm not thrilled about it, but I could see this game going down to uh, the few final possessions, and I ultimately think it's probably going to be pretty close to the number, but I would have a slight edge to East Tennessee State here. Uh, what do you see, Greg? Yeah, I think you're probably right. A ton of money is coming in on East Tennessee State. Eighty-seven uh, percent of the of the of the dollars are coming in on them, uh, and it's moved the line. It's moved it from uh, Chris opened up at minus eleven, and now it's sitting at minus nine and a half. So that's one and a half points. It's moved. Um, and it's not a really heavily bet game. So I'm thinking here that the Sharps have jumped on this early, causing this line to, to move a point and a half. East Tennessee State, from a market value, looks like it could be the play. All right, and uh, kind of sticking with the Florida theme here, we've got Florida Gulf Coast versus Florida State. I'm showing Florida State minus 12, total of 146. Um, you know, I think my first thoughts were that uh, FGCU, this is going to be a popular upset pick just based on their past history and their game familiarity. And uh, I think there's a, a general lack of confidence surrounding FSU, which is it's kind of interesting. You know, the team finished third overall in the gauntlet that was the ACC this year. But, um, you know, I think that for FGCU, this was not an ideal draw for them. Um, FGCU, they want to attack the interior and score at the rim, which they're very good at. They rank 14th in the country in two-point uh, field goal percentage on offense, and uh, you know they recruit well for the Atlantic Sun, and I, I think that that really helps them in conference play, where they can just overwhelm a lot of their opponents in the interior. Um, but I don't think they're going to have that same success against Florida State, who's the second tallest team in the country. They're extremely athletic, uh, and when you know when Florida State has the ball, Gulf Coast they want to extend their defense and guard the three-point line which I think is fine with FSU because they're going to want to drive and finish at the rim. And I, I think that they could do that against, uh, for, excuse me, I think against FGCU. And uh, I think that FSU is the play here. Uh, I don't trust Leonard Hamilton a ton, which is kind of what's holding me back a little bit. Uh, but, Greg, what do you see? Yeah, I, I'm seeing the same thing here. Um, a ton of money is coming in on FGCU. And yet that line is staying absolutely where it is at minus 12. It hasn't moved at all. As a matter of fact, at some point at South Point, I actually can get it right now at minus 11 and a half. So um, it's, uh, it, it, this is telling me what I'm looking at with so much money coming in on, on, on the Gulf Coast and not a whole lot coming on Florida State and that line not moving like it is, staying right at minus 12 tells me that the at the Sharps are, are very um, high on Florida State, and I would suspect that this number will stay the same, and then late money will come in and probably uh, drive this line up to 13, maybe minus 14. So we'll take a look and see what happens here in the next couple of days. But Florida State looks like the, the play to be right now. All right, next one up, we've got Xavier and Maryland. I'm showing Maryland as a two-point favorite, total of 142. Uh, for me, I think this game has the potential to be the most entertaining game on Thursday. Uh, Maryland is a team that I think played above its head for the first two-thirds of the season and limped in a bit. Uh, they lost four of their last six. And, you know, for me, it comes down to who can make shots in this one. And Trayvon Blewett for Xavier is the best scorer on the court. And uh, I think Xavier absolutely can act, excuse me, also can have an edge on the glass here. Um, I think that they should win the rebounding battle. And in a game that probably going to have a good amount of points, any extra possessions I think are going to be huge. And, you know, I hate to play the, the gut, the intangible angle, um, just because I think that that can be fool's gold. But 
I don't think you can discount Xavier's propensity to thrive in the underdog role in March. And, and Chris Max is, is just a hell of a coach. And, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a bit of a gut lean for me. Um, I watch a lot of Xavier games uh, being here in Cincinnati, but I think they're the better team, and I think they advance here. Uh, what do you got, Greg? Yeah, I, this this is a pretty evenly bet game here. Uh, you know, they're two powerhouse uh, basketball teams. Minus two is the line in favor of uh, Maryland. Um, even money coming in. Not a whole lot of action right now with them. Um, it's probably one of the least bet games, surprisingly, right now. Uh, so I'm hesitant on taking either side right now. It doesn't look like there's much value either or. This might be one with a sit back and, and see where the, where the line goes. But right now, um, the, the Sharps definitely uh, are not uh, partaking in the fun with this Xavier-Maryland uh, game. All right, next one up, we've got Nevada and then Iowa State, minus six, a total of 154.5. And, uh, you know, Nevada was a team I was pretty high on coming into this year. Uh, and if you're looking for an up-and-down game with some buckets, this is definitely going to be your uh, your cup of tea. Uh, both these teams have really strong guard play. Marcus Marshall for Nevada uh, can absolutely fill it up. And Monte Morris for Iowa State, if you saw any of the Big 12 tournament, uh, is just an incredible scorer also. So, I think this game really, though, hinges on how strong of an effort Nevada can give defensively. Uh, offensively, I'm pretty confident they'll get points against ISU, but I think the key will be if they can defend the three, uh, which they actually do pretty well. Um, statistically, they're 15th in the country at three-point field goal percentage defense. So if they can force Iowa State off the three-point line, make them work the ball into the interior, and just do a good job in just getting in front of them and making their shots difficult, I think they've got a chance to be a live dog here. Uh, but at the same time, uh, this game has a high level of variance, in my opinion. I, I could see Iowa State cruising in this one, and I could see Nevada winning straight up. So kind of a tough one to really peg. But, um, Greg, you got any thoughts here? No, yeah, uh, same thing here. I think a lot of uh, the sports books are confused. Some early money came flying in on Nevada, driving it from minus six to uh, minus five and a half. Or sorry, minus six and a half to minus five and a half, so a full point. And now money is starting to come back on on the Cyclones, uh, pulling that thing back up to probably six, six and a half in some spots. So with the money pretty even, it looks like the the, the market's just playing games with, with the leverage of money that's coming in, and bouncing back and forth from six and a half to uh, spots of uh, a five and a half or six. So uh, not a lot of value in this play. All right, next one so up, far. we've got. All right, uh, next one up, we've got Vermont and Purdue. I'm showing Purdue is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 134-and-a-half. Uh, you know, Vermont was a really good story this year with their undefeated run through the conference portion of their schedule, but I really worry about their ability to compete with Purdue athletically here in this one. Uh, they have no answer for Swanigan and Haas in the interior, and I think coming off the embarrassing uh, double-digit lead meltdown that they had last year versus Little Rock, I think you're going to get a fully engaged, energized, and focused effort from Purdue here. I um, mean, you know, I think if Purdue works the ball inside out, they should probably find whatever they want at the rim. And, um, you know, if Vermont collapses in on the post, um, there should be plenty of open looks for three uh, for Purdue. And, you know, if you look at it, this is probably one of the most surprising stats uh, I really came to realize here at the end of the year. Purdue's fourth best three-point shooting percentage in the country this year, which I would not have guessed. So, you know, with that two-way um, offensive threat, I, I just don't know where Vermont tries to pick their poison. And, uh, you know, Vermont only played three teams this year that were in the same ballpark as, as far as Purdue's size and athleticism in South Carolina, Providence, and Butler. 
Uh, they got trucked in two of those, and the closest loss was an 11-point loss to Butler. So, for me, uh, I think I think Purdue, excuse me, is the play at eight and a half, and uh, I'm not too worried about Vermont's ability to uh, scare them here. What do you see? Yeah, I see the same thing. I think that Purdue is getting most of the, or well, they get 60 percent of the of the bets, 55 percent of the money. Uh, the line opened at minus nine with Chris. Now it's at minus eight, so a little bit of Vermont money coming in, but it's starting to trickle back up. Um, back up to eight and a half. Probably will settle around eight and a half or nine. Uh, but as far as the value goes in the spread, there might be a slight advantage going with Vermont just because of the market reaction going from nine to eight. But it looks like it's going to creep back up. So it looks like some more sharp money is coming in on on Purdue to probably close this thing out around nine. So uh, again, um, there there isn't a ton of value here, but uh, there is a little bit of push. Looks like on Vermont, but not much. All right, next one up, we've got Vanderbilt and Northwestern. Northwestern is a one-point underdog. Uh, I've seen this line bouncing around, so um, I don't know how accurate that is right now. That may have changed in the last 10, 20 minutes, but total of 131. Um, you know, I think Vandy was a much different team from mid-February on as they went 7-2 and two down the stretch. Uh, they famously had that huge lead on Kentucky and gave that one away in Rupp. But uh, I think Bryce Drew finally got used to this personnel and uh, they finally started to click offensively. Uh, you know, they can stretch you out and shoot, and they're very talented there, but I think they have issues with physical guard play uh, from other teams, and, and they can definitely be exploited on defense. But kind of a tough game for me. Northwestern's a team that I have not had a good grasp on all year, so I kind of hesitate to really give a strong opinion one way or the other. Uh, what do you got on this one, Greg? Yeah, I got the, you know, it's a 63, uh, 63% of the bets are coming on Vandy. Uh, only 37 on, on Northwestern. 19% of the dollars are coming in on the Wildcats. So there isn't a whole lot of money supporting that 37%. Although uh, Chris opened at minus one and a half, and there was a, um, a little bit of money coming in on, on, on Vandy to push that thing, or sorry, uh, Northwestern to push that thing to minus one. Um, but with the fluctuation or the differential in my, in my spread dollars versus spread numbers of bets, I, I hesitate to uh, pull the trigger on Northwestern. This is a watch game for me. I don't think there's much value here. All right. Uh, next one up, we have VCU, St. Mary's. St. Mary's four-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 127-and-a-half. Um, you know, I think St. Mary's is going to get that Virginia light cliche toss at them um, here in the coming days by the national media, but it's actually an accurate one uh, as they do have pack line defensive pr- principles, and they're going to make you work on defense for a good duration of the shot clock. And I think that makes me worrisome here for VCU is that personnel-wise, they don't have good shooters, uh, which is evidenced by their uh, ranking 241st in the country in three-point shooting. And I think St. Mary's is going to force them to shoot over the top. They're going to pack that defense in. And uh, offensively, St. Mary's has good guard play. They're not going to turn the ball over. Um, They're not susceptible to that. So I think St. Mary's is going to make this an efficient um, efficient outpouring for them, and uh, I actually side the St. Mary's lane the four and a half here. Uh, what do you got? Uh, a lot of back and forth going on here. Uh, early money came in on St. Mary's, but then uh, some uh, some RAM money came in, making it to about four minus four. It was at four and a half, but Chris moved to minus four. Looks like it's going back and forth right now. Um, but there is about 67% of the spread dollars are on St. Mary's. So that's worth noticing on that. Um, as of right now, it looks like they're 
could be some value moving forward with BCU, but the line's not doing a whole lot of movement right now. So this might be a, one of those where you wait and see what um, what happens on Wednesday to see if that line uh, does anything fancy. But I would say if that line starts to trickle down uh, past uh, past minus four, I would say that uh, there's a lot of money coming on BCU and that probably be the play to have. All right, next one up, we have Middle Tennessee State, Minnesota. I'm sure Minnesota is a one-point favorite, total of 136. Uh, really interesting game. Um, everybody knows Middle Tennessee's story coming off the huge upset last year against Michigan State. Uh, you know, they've been rock solid all year. Uh, they have a group of veterans, a ton of guys back from that team last year. Uh, but I think what worries me with them is that their out-of-conference schedule is pretty weak. Uh, they played UNC Wilmington. Vanderbilt way before Vanderbilt had any idea what they were doing this year and VCU. Um, so they didn't get tested out of conference. Uh, conference USA was, was pretty weak this year too. So I worry about how tested they are. Um, you know, in conference USA play, they could really rely on just physically dominating a lot of their competition. They're very ranging athletic, which is part of the reason why Michigan state had trouble with them last year. You don't often find 15 seeds uh, that stack up that well athletically with power five teams. So, um, you know, I don't think that they're going to have that same advantage, though, against Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota can protect the interior. Uh, I believe they're fifth in the country in uh, blocking shots on defense. So I think that that can make life difficult for Middle Tennessee. Uh, they're not a great perimeter shooting team. I mean, I respect what they've done this year, but um, I'm actually leaning towards the Gophers in this one. How, what do you got on this one? Um, the most heavily bet game of the day, uh, and uh, for all the reasons that you just explained, Adam. So, uh, 68% of the of the of the bets are coming in on Middle Tennessee State, with 84% of that being the dollars. Uh, Minnesota opened at minus one and a half, and the sharp books. When I say sharp books, I mean Chris Pinnacle and Five Dimes have now moved their number to flip it to Middle Tennessee State as a one point favorite. So that's about a two point swing there. Um, this is a confusing one because there is uh, a little bit of a reverse line movement coming in on the Gophers, yet uh, the sharps, uh, their sharp books have moved this line almost two points up to Middle, middle, middle Tennessee State. Um, this is going to be one of those things with the wait and see. I, I, I know a lot of, um, of, of sharps personally that love middle, middle Tennessee State for this game. Uh, I kind of like Minnesota myself, so I, this is a tough one. I don't like to go against the people that uh, that I just talked about, the Sharps, um, in which um, I've done a pretty good job with the, calculating these things. I'm going to lay off this game, but I think you should just kind of watch to see where this line goes because it's uh, it, it could go all the way to minus two, minus three in, in favor of Middle Tennessee State, depending on how the how the market adjusts. All right, next one up, we've got, uh, we're moving into the Friday slate here. So we have Marquette, South Carolina. I'm showing South Carolina minus one and a half, uh, total of 148. Um, and I think Marquette is just a petrifying team to handicap because they're talented enough offensively that they can shoot themselves into a win against anybody. Uh, they're number one in the country at three-point shooting percentage, and they had the sixth-best effective field goal percentage. So, you know, the worry here is that South Carolina defensively, they want to take away the three-point line. They do a really good job at that. They're, they rank fifth in the country at defending the three-point line, and they want to turn that defensive pressure into offensive opportunities. Uh, it's no um, it's no, uh, no, secret that their pitfall is their intermittent offense. So 
You know, I think Marquette, though, is pretty weak defensively, and I think South Carolina can get some second-chance points with offensive rebounding. And uh, you know, I don't think I would overlook that this game is being played in Greenville, South Carolina. They should have a good crowd edge. And, you know, for the, the matchup perspective, um, you know, this is – I don't I just don't trust perimeter shooting and, and kind of finesse-oriented teams uh, against, you know, defensive-minded South Carolina teams. So I'm actually looking to lay the small number here with South Carolina. What do you got on this one? Um, uh, you're, I think you're spot on here. South Carolina is getting some reverse lineman action at minus one. Uh, it's now moved to minus two or minus one and a half to minus two, despite getting only 25% of the tickets. So um, uh, the Sharps are liking South Carolina, and the Sharps sportsbooks are reacting to that, moving that line a little bit. You're probably going to see this line move to minus two, maybe two and a half uh, as we get closer to tip-off. South Carolina looks like from a market's edge um, uh, the way to go. All right, next one up, we've got Seton Hall against Arkansas. I'm showing Arkansas as a one-point favorite, total of 146.5. You know, this is a game that I I don't want to say I'm going to pass on, but I I just had a hard time trusting either one of these teams. Seton Hall is pretty hit or miss offensively, and, and they shoot a terrible percentage from three and the free throw line. So that kind of makes them hard to trust in a coin flip kind of a game. Uh, but they can crash the glass here, I think, offensively against Arkansas, uh, who's actually 326 for allowing offensive rebounds. But, you know, I think on the flip side, Arkansas has some athletes on the perimeter, and they want to stretch the game out and look for some turnovers, which you know, I think Seton Hall will give you. Their guard play, I think, is uh, questionable at times. So, you know, gun to my head, I'd probably look towards Arkansas, but not a real strong opinion. Um, what do you got on this one? Yeah, same here. You know, a little bit, a 40%, 60%, uh, 6% leaning towards Seton Hall, but 79% of the money's coming in on Seton Hall. So um, that, uh, despite that, uh, we have, well, that that money coming in on Seton Hall has actually moved that line to minus one and a half to minus one. Not a huge, not a huge change in, in, in the market price, but um, I think that uh, they're seeing the same thing you're seeing out of here. It looks, looks like the sports books are a little confused on which way to go with this despite kind of the lopsided action, um, this might be a game to probably lay off. All right, next one up. We've got Oklahoma State, Michigan. Michigan minus two, total of 155. Um, Michigan's coming in as one of the hottest teams in the country with that impressive Big Ten tournament run. And I think as most Michigan teams under Bayline are, they're very lethal offensively. Um, But that's not going to separate them from Oklahoma State, who actually has the number one most efficient offense uh, in the country this year. So, you know, both teams are capable of putting up a huge number here. Uh, guard play is going to be great between Jawan Evans and Derek Walton. So, you know, I think it's going to be one of the best games to watch. Um, I don't really have a strong opinion on the side as I don't really trust either team to get stops. Uh, but I think there might be a decent angle to look towards the over here. Is You know, I would not be surprised one bit if this game was played in the 80s. Uh, the hesitancy there is that this is an early start on Friday, so you wonder maybe if uh, te- if there's a, a cold stretch, um, there's not much margin for error on that total. So that's what kind of scares me a little bit. But uh, what do you got on this one? Yeah, this is an interesting game. Um, uh, right now, Oklahoma State's getting 31% of the of the ticket, but 38% are coming in on uh, the the ticket price uh, for his money coming in on them. Uh, a lot of people like Michigan. They're about 70% right now coming in on Michigan. Line has uh, opened at minus uh, one and a half. Now it's sitting around two. 
but I will tell you right now from experience, the Sharps are all over the Cowboys on this on this game, uh, despite uh, little little uh, market value as far as fluctuation in the price. Uh, Oklahoma State is, um, despite getting not a lot of, of tickets, is uh, is moving the line a little bit. When I say moving the line, it's not moving against them or not or not moving too far from them. So. Uh, Oklahoma State looks like it's going to be the player here with the first line movement going towards the Cowboys. <clears throat> All right, next one up. We've got Wichita State, Dayton. I'm showing Wichita favored by six, a uh, total of 146.5. I mean, I think this is probably going to be one of the most talked about and uh, most intriguing games of the opening slate. Uh, you know, as Wichita State is the uh, analytic fans' wet dream, so to speak, with their efficiency numbers and you know, I think Dayton has really thrived in the underdog role in the past tournament. So, you know, I have to wonder, though, a little bit how much about Wichita has been tested. Ohio Valley was very weak this year. They didn't get that normal threat that they would get with a team like in Evansville. Uh, Northern Iowa had a down year. Um, I was, or excuse me, Illinois State was the only real competition uh, who actually got left out of the field. So I think that kind of gives you a nod to how uh, the committee viewed uh, the Ohio Valley as a whole. Uh, Missouri Valley, excuse me. But, um, you know, I look back at uh, the three tournament teams that Wichita State played here earlier this year, and they went 0-3 straight up and 0-3 against the spread. So, you know, although I definitely think they got better as the season progressed, I'm just having a hard time passing on Archie Miller and this veteran Dayton team in their backcourt hitting that many points. You know, I don't, I don't know that I want to buy too much into the strong number on Wichita. As I mentioned, they're a huge analytic um analytics fan uh, as far as how strong they rate out. You know, they were a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Louisville, seven-and-a-half over Oklahoma State, and five-and-a-half over Michigan State. So I think that helps kind of put this line into perspective a little bit. But I'm uh, curious on your thoughts on this one. No, there, there's absolutely um, not a whole lot of movement with this game. Uh, the the ticket and the, and the money coming in on both teams are pretty much square, pretty much even. So um, the line is at six across the board. Actually, South Point now has them at uh, six and a half, uh, Wichita State. But um, it's pretty even here. So this game is going to be interesting to see where this line goes because it's one of the more heavily bet games. So it's going to go somewhere. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some late money comes flying in on um, Daytona or um, Dayton, sorry, Daytona, uh, Dayton, and uh, moves this line um, a little bit south, and putting it um, putting it in favor of uh, of Dayton, putting in favor of the Flyers. <clears throat> All right, uh, next one up, we've got New Mexico State going against Baylor. I'm showing Baylor is around a 12 point chalk in this one, total of 135 and a half. I mean, I think with Baylor, you've got to be very worrisome uh, in trusting Scott Drew. Uh, he's kind of proven over and over again that he uh, he can get in his own way as far as his coaching style. Um, you know, last year they got bounced by Yale early. Um, and, you know, I think that they might run into some of those similar issues that they had trouble with uh, with Yale last year. And that's their – normally Baylor is a great rebounding team. That's one thing that really kind of propels them. Uh, and New Mexico State has size, so I think that that might be a challenge for them. Um, I also, though, do worry about New Mexico State's ability to maybe shoot over the top of that zone. So this is a game that Baylor is just such a conundrum for me that I, I don't really have a, a strong insight one way or the other. I think there's better games on the board, but I'm uh, curious just to see what you got on this one. Well, I mean, Baylor Baylor's getting 35% of the, uh, of the spread of the, of the tickets, 
but um, and then forty seven percent of the of the money's coming in on Baylor too, which is interesting because that's moving the line from twelve to twelve and a half. So uh, it looks like the sharps here are kind of liking uh, the bears in this spot. Uh, but it's not a very heavily bet game right now, so that could just be some some early money kind of fluctuating that line a little bit. Um, I would wait a bit more to see where this line goes. If this line starts to take off on you uh, in Baylor's favor, I would say there's a strong push on strong money on the on the Bears. So right now it's a 12 and a half. If the Bears start to climb up to be 13, 14 favorites, it's clearly um, uh, Bears are getting a lot of money on backing them. Not sure if there's going to be value, though, if he hits 14 or 13. But uh, kind of be watching out for this one, see if, where this line goes. All right, next one up, we've got Michigan State against Miami. I'm showing Miami is two-point chalk in this one, total of 126.5. Um, you know, I think Miami's uh, performance in the ACC tournament was pretty strong. Um, you know, although they got bounced early there, um, you know, I, I think that this sets up pretty well for them as far as matchup goes. Um, you know, I think Miami can get overwhelmed a little bit in the interior, which Michigan State I don't think is very capable of doing. Their front court depth is uh, pretty questionable. And, you know, I think Michigan State is going to have to shoot well from the perimeter to win this one. Um, you know, as the total indicates at 126.5, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a half-court oriented game. And, you know, if it's played at that pace, I think I trust Miami a little bit more here. Uh, my, my main worry with this one is I think Miami is going to be an extremely popular play. I think a lot of people are just going to first glance, look at Michigan State, look at the down year. Uh, it hasn't been impressive. Probably we're pretty fortunate to actually get into the tournament at 19 and 14 overall uh, and 2 and 9 on the road. So I, I'm a little little hesitant to really buy in on Miami just because that, that scares me a little bit. Uh, what do you got on this one? Yeah, Miami is the popular play for sure, um, 70%. A very lopsided game here. Uh, one, of the, one of the most lopsided, heavily bet games of the tournament. Uh, only 30% for the Spartans. Uh, line has reacted to it, too. It's taken it from uh, minus one to minus two in some spots. Five dimes has them at minus two. Uh, so, but I, I'm not too sure if that's the wrong side on this. I think that Miami could probably be the right play despite the – the public reaction here. You know, I don't like to go with uh, too much of what the public uh, bets on. But in this particular case, the line moving in favor of Florida has me concerned that um, not only is the public uh, liking Miami, but some sharps are liking that too. So um, uh, Miami looks to be the best play. On, um, looks like it's the right side. Looks like Miami should be the right side for this for this game. All right, next one up, we've got Iona in Oregon. Um, I've got Oregon showing here as a 14.5-point favorite, total of 151.5. Um, you know, I think that this is a really good buy-low spot here on Oregon. Um, I think a lot is being made of the Boucher industry for that, or in, excuse me, injury for them. And, uh, you know, that's definitely warranted, but that uh, is, is going to be far down on the list of important factors in this game. Iona can't guard a soul. Um, they're just going to run jack threes. They want to turn you over, which I don't think they're going to have any chance of doing here against a very veteran Oregon team. Um, that if Oregon is awake for this one, um, they don't overlook them. They'll get whatever they want offensively, and uh, I think that they're more than capable of slowing down Iona on defense. So, um, you know, I think at 14 and a half, I think that's a little short. Um, if you get Oregon's best effort here, I, I think they cruise. Uh, what do you got on this one? Yeah, same thing. It's evenly bet money. I think a lot of people love Oregon, how 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 uh, 
they shoot the ball. They're a really offensive-minded team. But Iona is a um, you know it's a Cinderella team, so a lot of money back on both sides on this. And you're seeing it with the percentages at 47.53, a little lopsided there on the on the dollar amount at 33 percent of the dollars coming on Iona, and 67 uh, percent coming in on Oregon. Uh, line really hasn't done much. It's at 14 and a half now. There are some spots you can get it at. Chris has it at 14 right now, but then South Point has it at 15. So not a lot of fluctuation there going on between the, the two sports books, uh, the two sports books that I, I respect. Um, this is a game that I'm probably going to stay away from. All right. Uh, next one up, we've got Rhode Island and Creighton um, showing. Um, let's see. Do you have Creighton minus one on this one right now? I do. Okay, so Creighton minus one, total of one forty-two and a half. Uh, so yeah. you know, I, I think if you're if you're new to the Rhode Island party here, um, welcome. Um, there's plenty of room for for all everybody to get on board here. Um, you know, they had some fluttering moments there uh, throughout the conference schedule. Uh, they've been kind of injury prone, but they're fully healthy now, and and that's been completely reflected based on their last two or three weeks of play. Uh, they're operating, clicking on all cylinders. And what I think makes Rhode Island very intriguing here for me is that Rhode Island does a very good job at pressuring the perimeter. Uh, they have very good guard-oriented defense, and then they have length on the interior to contest at the rim. And going against a Creighton team that lost Mo Watson earlier in the year, there's really not a dominant, comfortable lead guard for them offensively. They got Marcus Foster. Uh, but he's a true shooting guard. Um, you know, I I just if they can make life difficult for Creighton on the perimeter, which I think they probably can. You know, I think that's what gets them going. And then you know, offensively, I don't think anybody's gonna uh, confuse Creighton as a as a great defensive stalwart. So I, I think that they should have an okay time offensively as well. And uh, this is this is probably gonna be um, a dog that I'm backing on the money line, I am worried that it might be uh, a little bit of a square play based on all the things I mentioned. It's kind of hard to find a Creighton angle here, but uh, curious to see what you got on this. Yeah, everything is on Rhode Island right now. Um, 97% of the of the dollars is, is coming on Rhode Island. So it's moved the line from minus two to minus one now. So Creighton did open up at minus two. Now it's at minus one. Uh, a lot of money coming on Rhode Island. It's not a very heavily bet game right now, so there's not a lot of uh, uh, telling information there as far as this goes right now. But 97% uh, is a lot, and as a, as a result, it's moved that line. So I think that probably Rhode Island is probably going to be probably the better play just because of, of the value we're seeing with what you just mentioned and also the line moving a little bit into um, Rhode Island's favor. So I would lean Rhode Island. All right. And uh, last one to wrap up here, we've got Kent State against UCLA. Showing UCLA is a 17.5 point favorite, a uh, total of 161.5. Uh, and my first reaction looking at this game was I thought that the over presented some value. Um, you know, at 161.5, that might sound a little odd to say, but. Kent State defensively is pretty poor. Um, they've given up their fair share of points to MAC offenses, and you know with UCLA's high octane offense, um, you know if they're not sleepwalking, I think that they 
very very realistic chance that they're porting with the century mark here uh and then it, all we need there from kent state on the back end there is to uh get into the 60s which probably not going to be too difficult against ucla uh given their defensive struggles so that would be my first uh instinct as far as which way i want to look on this one um you know at 17 and a half i think that this one probably closes pretty close uh as far as um, where it ends up i, I think that ucla is probably going to jump out to a double digit lead and play from there uh, most of the game. So I don't see a ton of value one way or the other on the spread, but I actually think that the uh, total has a decent look for me. Um, what do you got on this one? Uh, U- UCLA was the was the heavy played play here. Jumped up to from 17 at Chris to 18, minus 18 UCLA's favor. But interestingly enough, uh, the Sharps came flying in on that 18 number and moved it back down to 17. So uh, it looks like the Sharps are taking a position at 18. I like that number. But uh, um, clearly uh, everyone is on with the Bruins. 80% of the, li- of the tickets are on, on, on the Bruins. But uh, as soon as that number, as soon as the sportsbooks jump that number up a point, uh, money came flying back in on Kent to drive that thing down, enough money to drive it down a full point, which is interesting because only 22% of the spread money is coming in on Kent. So uh, I would say in this particular case that Kent is probably a go at 18 or better. So, Kent. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, we are done as far as covering the uh, matchup games here in the first round. Um, I guess the last parting uh, thing we'll do here is maybe give a money line dog or two um, that we like here as uh, it's always juicy to uh, throw a little money line ticket. Uh, If you're an underdog player in March Madness, there is not much of a better feeling as a gambler than cashing a March Madness underdog. So I think we will roll into that. Uh, as far as what I like here personally, and uh, then I'll kick it to Greg, I think East Tennessee State uh, at plus 425, uh, I'm seeing that's kind of across, jumping around a little bit between plus 400, plus 425, depending on uh, who you're doing your business with. But that is one money line dog that I would take a flyer on. And then the other one that I kind of alluded to earlier that I think is – the value play, given the scenario, I think Dayton at plus 225 uh, is going to catch a look from me as well. Uh, Greg, do you have maybe one or two that uh, stick out to you? Well, the one that sticks out to me, just from looking at uh, the value play, um, and I don't have the the money line. Actually, see, I don't um, I don't have the money line play here, but they are seven and a half point favorites. Is I'm looking at Princeton. Um, the, the lot, a lot of money's coming in on Princeton and not a lot of money's coming in on the, on the spread ticket. So 20, what I'm saying is 24% of the tickets are coming in on Princeton, but 41 to 45% of the dollars are coming in on Princeton. And it's, and it's, and it's messing the lineup with, uh, going from seven to seven and a half, which tells me that being that it's a seven point, um, uh, line right now. Uh, there could be a lot of value in, in playing the money line play there and get a little extra cash. I, I'm, I'm going to go with Princeton in a possible upset with the uh, with good market value looking like um, a lot of sharps taking the Tigers, and in um, the line being where it is, I think the, the the money line play for Princeton is a good play. All right, yeah, it looks like the Princeton money line uh, pinnacle is plus two fifty four. Uh, 255 at five dimes, uh, 250 okay. at online. So 
uh, in case anybody out there was curious. But um, yeah, so that wraps it up for us. Um, unless you had another one there, Greg, but uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Um, hopefully we uh, gave you some insight into uh, picking out your bracket, winning some money this weekend, and uh, feel free to reach out to us on the Saturday Edge, and we appreciate everybody listening. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.